Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. St. Paul begins our epistle reading today by writing, I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. In 2 Corinthians, St. Paul writes about the sufferings that he had experienced on account of faithfully proclaiming the word of God. There he wrote, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the, gentlemen, of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. There's two things I would like to note from this long passage, one of which I think ties well into today's epistle reading. The first thing is, in addition to undergoing much physical suffering, St. Paul had a concern that came upon him daily. And that concern is his deep concern for all the churches. I must say, I've always loved that phrase because I can relate. And if you're a parent, you also can relate. You can go over a long list of things that you have endured suffered in your lives, which are probably not as extreme as what Paul outlines here. And then after outlining some of the ways in which you have suffered, you could then conclude saying, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all my children. Who does not have deep concern for their children? does not worry arise in us over them. This passage from 2 Corinthians, I actually read to you from the New King James, and in the ESV it's, uh, it talks about the anxiety he has over the churches. That concern, that anxiety that we might have stems from the love that we have for, for our children. Paul writes of his deep concern for the churches, churches which he helped establish, churches in which he preached, churches that are facing persecution, churches that are small, and churches from a human perspective appear to be weak. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that I feel the exact same way toward you. The love a pastor has for his flock is, is as inexpressible as the love 
that parents have for their children. And as parents know, this brings about its own component of suffering, sometimes real, as parents are living daily lives with their children in this fallen world, but sometimes this suffering is made up through worry or attempting to control themes that we had heard about last week when Jesus preached in his Sermon on the Mount, Do Not Be Anxious. The second thing Paul wrote about in 2 Corinthians that I would like to mention, and this is the portion that ties in well with today's epistle, is when he wrote, In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently. Theme that I would like for us to consider today, in prisons more frequently. That is what Paul endured as he faithfully preached the gospel. And so it was necessary for Paul to begin our epistle by saying, I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul wrote this epistle to the Ephesians while Paul was in prison. Some of the saints at Ephesus may have been feeling sorry for him. Others, perhaps, having feeling anxious. And some, perhaps, were experiencing doubt of their faith, wondering, how can Christ allow his chosen apostle to sit there in prison? So Paul requests that they do not lose heart over what he is suffering. That the church remains steadfast in the faith, focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ, confident in the salvation that he brings by forgiving them. In fact, Paul wrote Philippians and Colossians and Philemon while he was imprisoned. And when St. Paul wrote 2 Timothy, he was imprisoned in Rome, recognizing that it would not be long before he would be executed, martyred, for the faith. But Paul did not sit in prison doing nothing. He prayed, as we hear in today's epistle. He sang hymns like he did when he was jailed in Philippi. And, as we've now heard, he has written letters to various Christians and, of course, to Christian congregations. In the same way, some saints who followed him did not sit idle when they were locked up for insisting on, upon the truth of God's word. While Martin Luther wasn't technically imprisoned when he was in the Wartburg Castle, he was there in 1522 in order for his life to be protected, and while he was there, he translated the New Testament, from the Greek into German. William Tyndale worked on translating the Hebrew Old Testament to English while he was in prison in the 1530s, which would then lead to his own martyrdom, his own execution, over charges of the Lutheran heresy. He, by that point, had already published a New Testament translation from the Greek, into English in 1526, 
And also while in prison, he had worked on updating that translation. Today, we are considering that theme of imprisonment. There are some perceived imprisonments. Second, some are imprisoned the way Paul and Tyndale were. And third, we have all faced a form of spiritual imprisonment. Perceived imprisonment is when a person is filled with anxiety and worry, thinking that God has no control or no care or, or will not do anything about a particular situation. Their imaginations conjure up all sorts of bad scenarios that rarely come to pass. Instead of trusting solely in Christ that he will use all things for the good of those who love him, they become enslaved to their own figuring and imaginations. The antidote to this is to to commend all things to the Lord in prayer, to pray the Christian prayer book, the Psalter, to sing the Lord's praises, to confess our sin of anxiety and doubt and worry, to be in the word of Christ, and to come to the Lord's altar to receive the body and blood of Jesus for our forgiveness and strengthening of faith. A second one, being physically imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, I must say, is not the worst thing that can happen to a person. It obviously would not be pleasant to experience it, and it certainly can cause spiritual turmoil to those who are imprisoned and for those who love the one who has become imprisoned. For some, imprisonment is a step toward martyrdom, such as those two Belgian men who were burned at the stake 500 years ago this year in 1523 for believing the teachings of the Lutheran Reformation. But they received, as St. Paul also received, the goal of their faith, the salvation of their bodies and souls, for they were awarded the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge awards to them through our Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, we recognize that even death is not so bad. After all, the faithful who are executed are admitted into the gates of paradise, as was that thief on the cross. And it is written, precious to the Lord is the death of his saints. So what is worse than imprisonment or that martyrdom? What is worse is to be without the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul in prison did not want to see the saints in Ephesus to lose their faith over Paul's suffering. And so he wrote, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so here Paul, while in prison, Praise, 
that the saints be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit so that Christ would dwell in them through faith and that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. What an earnest, amazing prayer that Paul prayed for the saints while he remained behind bars in prison. His pastoral heart was on full display. He was more concerned over them and their salvation than he was over himself. For he knew his Christian identity, that as a baptized sinner into Christ, he is counted righteous by Christ. He is forgiven, and he will be declared acceptable in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ to be received into our Lord's eternal kingdom. He, by the grace of God, Remain steadfast in the faith. Jesus once said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Jews replied to Jesus, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? You see, these people didn't recognize the bondage that they faced by being controlled by the Romans. But even more so, they did not recognize the bondage that sin and the power of the devil and even death can bring. And so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, for the son remains forever. So if the Son, that is Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. Many think the opposite is true. Many think that being allowed to sin, to do what they want, to not have to do what they are told, is for them true freedom. They think that if they can finally do what they want, when they want, and believe whatever it is they want, think however they want, then they are free. Children mistakenly think that they can be free if they're not bound by their parents' rules and regulations. But if they were to walk away, they'll discover how difficult life is And this notion that sin is somehow freedom cannot be further from the truth. How many thought that they could freely try dig drugs or other addictive activities and still maintain their freedom? They quickly find out that they become enslaved to the things that they thought would grant them freedom. The sexual freedoms Americans discovered after the Second World War brought about destruction of many families. So many children caught, are caught up in the baggage that adults bring because of what adults thought that they could do in their freedom. And that cycle often worsens with each generation, bringing about further bondage to their sin. Because sin is slavery, it is 
a spiritual imprisonment. The devil lied to Eve, making her think that she could somehow gain something through her sin, but instead she lost the good that she had. But thankfully, God came to her with a promise that Christ, through her seed, would bear her sin and forgive her. People are already setting up Halloween decorations, some of which I think are probably fine. But why the obsession with death? Why so many t-shirts with skulls on them? What are they trying to portray? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. If there were no sin, there would be no death. If there were no sin, no one would be going around wearing symbols of death on their bodies. If people want to wear some sort of symbol of death, hear me out here for a moment, they should wear a crucifix. Because while Jesus died on the cross, the crucifix shows what Jesus did in his great love for rebellious mankind. He set us free from spiritual imprisonment by bearing all of our sin in his body, by going to the cross to make the ransom payment through the shedding of his innocent blood. What the Romans used as a means, a cruel means of execution now is now mankind is set free through Christ's own crucifixion and so this symbol this image is now a symbol of life through the son of god through our lord jesus christ who is glorified on the cross because he didn't die for himself but he died for you bearing your sin in his body. So as Jesus declared, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Jesus truly brings true freedom. So all those anxieties and worries, Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you have a load of sin? The scripture declares if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let Jesus take the responsibility of all your sin off of you and let him cover you with his very righteousness which he does by virtue of your baptism. And he keeps on giving to you as you feast on his body and blood. And should you be literally imprisoned for adhering to the gospel? If that were the case, recognize that you still belong to Christ, who has set you free. For he has promised, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, as a Christian, you are no longer enslaved or imprisoned, but you are God's dear child, redeemed, restored, and forgiven. He loves you, and he has set you free.
Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.